Good morning. It's great to get together to worship God. And if you're a guest here, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sarush. I'm one of the elders here. So moving on to the series, Spirit Breakout. And um, today we're going to be continuing that series. We're on chapter 5 now. And you've noticed the trend in the book of Acts. Um, There's topics like being devoted and spirit-filled and tons of fire coming down. And then suddenly there are things like complaints, as Raj preached last week. Um, Today it's going to be one of the good ones. It's it's great. It's on opposition and persecution. Um, So hang on there. I said it's good because we will see that persecution usually and opposition will lead to backing off, to stopping and not doing things. But with church, it's just different. With church, again, it's upside down. Persecution comes, the church grows. That's why I said it's one of the good ones. Um, Well, everything from the Bible is good, but even the topic for today. Um, We're going to read the scripture. It's a long passage. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for that because it's the Word of God, and it's great to be able to read the Word of God together. And also, the reading of the scriptures should not be treated as a precursor to the sermon. So I just want to encourage you to either listen to it, the words will be projected, um, or as you're reading it in your Bible, to really read it and see what God has for you today. I've asked um, a couple of my friends to help me with it, so Asalan, will you come and... So Asalan will be doing the first part. Thank you. morning everyone but the high priest rose up and all those who were with him that is the party of the Sadducees and filled with jealousy they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison but during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said go on and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life and when they heard this they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach now when the high priest came And those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel, and they sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests had heard these words, they greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, The men whom you put in in the prison are standing in in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and saviour, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, the teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up, stood up and gave orders to the men outside for a little while. 
And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. In the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wonderful to just hear the word of God, really. Um, so, it's just a normal part of the scripture, isn't it? Just ordinary things happening, the prison door being opened, um, some prisoners leaving and then being found in the temple. It's just so supernatural. I'm just going to give an overview of this whole passage because sometimes we can take the book of Acts, we can romanticize it, and sometimes we can make it say things that it doesn't really mean or it's not intended for. You can do that with every verse in the Bible, but particularly with the book of Acts, and especially when it comes to supernatural in the book of Acts. We need to remember that the bit that we just read, it's reality. It happened. It's not just somebody making up stories. It's a narrative of an actual event that happened, written by Dr. Luke. We need to remember that that is how we look at it. It's a narrative. It's an event. It actually happened. It's just talking about something that happened, took place, and then God is glorified. I've said in the past that reading the book of Acts is kind of like watching the uh, borough match. You see, um, you start watching it, and it's just great. They're doing really well for 10 minutes, and they even score a goal. Brilliant, wonderful. You know that you're in for, for a winner. Um, half an hour later, you look, and then you, you mesmerize a bit. You think... Is that 2 1 to borrow, or have they conceded 2 1? And then you go on a bit further and they have a player sent off. And then you just think, what's going to happen? And then again, they equalize. And then they go on to be really great. And then the next season, and then it comes. So there's quite a lot of ups and downs. So sometimes when I read it, it just reminds me of the borrow games. But praise God that now we've, got a, we've still got a chance for promotion. Yeah. Please do keep praying for them. Um, in here, quite a lot has happened already. We're on chapter 5, and a lot has happened. So, but just before we get to this part, we see um, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, a couple who are dead because they deceived God, and I'm glad that I'm not preaching on that. How would you do that? And I'm sure um, many of us have read through it, and many of us have got great explanations for it. But... Then we get to this bit where the apostles are arrested. Uh, they're actually celebrities already. They're on the front page of the Gazette. If you go to Jerusalem and pick up the Gazette, or if you go on their website, you probably see them there. 
um, quite a lot of comments about how great they are, but sometimes comments from religious people to say, no, this is a new cult. They're not really paying attention to who we are as a nation. Um, so there's quite a lot that's already gone on. You would think that as you progress through the chapter, things will get better and better because so far quite a lot has happened. But we get to the point where the apostles are arrested. It's probably very difficult for many of us to imagine a situation where we'd be afraid of getting together as Christians to worship God. But from what we just read, even the first disciples, the very people, some of whom walked with Jesus, had to be very careful. They were persecuted because of that. And because it's a narrative, I'm not going to have three points, as I would usually do, if you know me. Uh, but we're going to look through it, because there's quite a lot that we can unpack in this passage. But um, because of timing, and uh, we're going to just look at a couple of things. So let's look at opposition. So here, the high priest and the Sadducees, these are Pharisees and Sadducees, two groups of religious groups um, who are in charge of the religious affairs of the Jews. They've come together. They've made many attempts to ridicule Jesus every time they failed because they're talking to God himself and they're trying to come up with questions he can't answer. Guess what? Again, Jesus answers their questions sometimes with a question and they're left thinking, we came here to make, to make you look guilty, but we've, we've, uh, we've, just had a, we've got to go home now. Um, you've made us look really bad. They were filled with jealousy. That's what we read right from the beginning. So they were filled with jealousy. These are religious guys that are supposed to be examples to the rest of the Jewish nation. The word for jealousy here in Greek is zelu, uh, which is the root word for zealous. But again, sometimes we can take that and say, oh, well, it actually means the same thing as in English. But we've got to remember that there's at least 2,000 years of difference. And throughout words develop, what it means in here is, yeah, they had some sort of zeal. We don't know what for, but they, they had some sort of anger and zeal. These experts of the law, some of them didn't believe in the supernatural. They actually believed the whole Bible, but not the supernatural bits um, about it, particularly resurrection. Why were they jealous? Because, first of all, the apostles were teaching that Jesus rose from the grave. They were teaching about resurrection, the very thing that they didn't believe in. The very thing that they said, no, it's impossible. We believe in the Bible, but the supernatural stuff in there, that doesn't really happen. But also resurrection from the dead, no, it's not, it, it doesn't happen. We've read it, we know what it's like, we, we, we're the academics here, we've got the brains, you don't worry about it, you just believe what we say, there's no resurrection. And then apostles, some of them who are just simple fishermen coming and say, yeah, Jesus rose from the grave. You guys killed him, but he rose from the grave. So, apostles won, religious leaders nil. The second thing is that people listen to the apostles more than the religious leaders. That's what makes them jealous, because they think, we've got the uniform, we're here, we've got the authority, you're supposed to listen to us. Whereas people go after the apostles, because they're filled with the Spirit, the message they preach is the truth, and the signs and wonders following it. So the religious leaders are jealous. Apostles too, religious leaders nil. They're afraid of uh, losing authority because they want to be in control. They would compromise things. They would do everything to stay in control. They would 
deal with the Romans. They would pay them a bit. They would do whatever it takes to remain in authority, whereas the authority seems to be taken away from them since the apostles have started preaching about this Jesus that died just a couple of weeks or a few weeks beforehand. So, apostles, three religious leaders, well, you get the idea. They arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. What does that tell you? It's not like they had warrants or they had a very fair system. They didn't have solicitors or barristers. They arrested them, and it says the apostles, we don't know how many of them, but they arrested them and put them in prison. It's publicly shaming them. They took the apostles, put them in prison with their own authority. There was no fair justice system. But what happens is that they do that to stop these guys from preaching the word of God. Let's see what happens. The angel of the Lord comes and opens the doors. As easy as that. (laughs) Who are the angels? (laughs) We read in Hebrews that they're ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. So the angel of the Lord comes. What about the other prisoners? There must have been other people there. What about the guards? What about the CCTVs? What about the face recognition things? What about the fingerprints that they had to put in before they get out? The angel of the Lord comes and opens the doors. As easy as that. I've heard many stories where God has freed people, first-hand stories, from situations which, if we had to write them down, it would just be like that. God came and freed me. And then what does the angel tell him? Go in the temple, stand there, speak to people about the words of this life. So they've just been freed from prison. Why were they in prison in the first place anyway? Because they talked about Jesus. Now they're free. What should they do? The very first thing that, didn't, that got them into trouble anyway. So they shouldn't speak about Jesus. They should just go their own ways and not talk about Jesus. And if anybody asks about him, they should just just pretend, oh, I've heard about him, but I'll talk to you about it later. Or maybe you should come round to my house, maybe we should meet up and talk about it, you know, just as people say in churches, we should meet up, and then it never happens. Maybe the apostles should have said that as well. Maybe we should meet up for a tea or coffee, or maybe you should come round for a meal, and when we talk about it there, I'll tell you a bit about him. It's just not not safe in here. But what do they do? They're ordered to go in the temple, which is like our Linthorpe Road, a very central place, or like Teesside Park, a central place where a lot of people would gather together on a daily basis, and they're told to go there and talk about Jesus. I would have asked the angel, what about breakfast, mate? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I can imagine Peter saying, oh, Phil, come here, are we done, son? Here's a tenner, will you grab us a bacon bought you from Greg's on the way to the temple and then obviously they had to remind him that he's a good Jew and he's still early chapters of the Acts where he still thinks what he, what he eats makes him unclean rather than what actually comes out of his heart and all sorts of things. I think that's why it's not included in here anyway. So, and there was no Greg's probably at the time there. Yeah. Um, so they, they get the priorities right. I remember one of our good friends uh, uh, once they were praying for us and a good friend said Keep the main thing the main thing. It may come across as a simple phrase, but the apostles did that. They kept the main thing the main thing. What did they do? They didn't worry about anything else. They went to the temple, and they started talking about Jesus. Why did they do that? 
if because they'd experienced Jesus himself, just like many of us in here this morning, they had experienced the presence of God in their lives and they bore the burden for it. This is what Luke tells us. They walked with God himself, the living Messiah. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The very thing that Jesus promised them. He said, don't leave here, I'll baptize you. Uh, but I just love the way that Jesus put it. He said, you'll receive power not many days from now. It's like a Middle Eastern or African person coming to your house. You don't know when they're leaving. Because you can't ask them, it's rude. But also, you, you, they won't tell you when they leave. So Jesus did the very same thing. He said, not many days from now. Is it going to be one, two, three, a hundred days? It's just not, no, not very clear. But then it does happen. And then it fulfills the prophecy in Joel. So they go to the temple, they'll have to wait because one of the priests is sat there with the trumpet and as soon as he sees the sun coming up, he would blow into it so that the Jews would know that it's time to gather together and the priests and everyone else would know that it's time to get together to worship God. So they take the opportunity, they go in and talk about Jesus. What happens here is that the authorities got them into prison because they didn't want people to hear their message. What happens is, exactly at the right time, God comes and frees them so that they talk about Jesus in a place where most of the Jewish nation would come together on a daily basis. So what the authorities tried to stop has actually led to a greater opportunity for the gospel to be heard. And what amazes me is that the authorities in the temple didn't try to stop them. We don't hear that. And I think it's because they saw something of the supernatural in there. They realized, well, we heard the news. Yeah, I had ping on my iPhone saying a few people who were talking about Jesus were arrested, but yet you're here. Um, but I, we know nothing happens overnight. Um, there's no trials and nothing really happens. So how come you're here? And of course, they'll tell him, oh, the angel came and freed us. And the people in the temple would see something of the supernatural there. And that's why I think they didn't stop them. They would see something that is different in them. But the prison guards come and say, um, look, there's something in here that we need to tell you. We just don't know how it happened. We had the guards, we had locks on the doors. We just don't really know what happened. But the rest of the prisoners, as well as the guards, are there. And the prison doors are locked. But the people that you wanted us to arrest and keep an eye on, they're in the temple preaching about this person. And it's funny, they don't even say the name Jesus, they say this name or that person. They just feel, oh, he's too low for us to talk about this person, that name. Did we not tell you not to talk about this name? And yet the apostles are talking about Jesus Christ the Messiah. So the religious leaders again failed to see the supernatural in here. Because they would have immediately thought, well, we either didn't put them in prison and it was an illusion, or something must have happened. Let us investigate it and see what's happened. But they had misconceptions in their mind. They thought that supernatural doesn't happen. And they thought they're serving God, and therefore, if they're serving God, God is with them. And no matter what's happened to those guys and how they got out of prison, they need to bring them back and punish them for what they've done. So we can see a lot of opposition to those who believe in Jesus and those who talk about Jesus. 
Now, I'm from a nation that is usually in the top 10 list of persecution, persecuted nations in terms of a nation that is persecuting Christians. It used to be in the top three and it's on the top 10 now. It's not because the situation has got better. Unfortunately, it's because the situation in other countries has got worse. And therefore, Iran is coming down the list. So it doesn't necessarily mean things have improved. So I really know, I've experienced firsthand what it's like to want to talk about Jesus in situations where it's really, really dangerous and quite difficult that can get you and maybe the rest of the family in trouble. I've spoken to people who've run away from persecution, people who were down the road from them, coming in with swords and guns, trying to wipe them away from that locality, and God has preserved them. Many of us in here know people from other nations that are actually in here today who had to run away because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Many people are here today who experienced being in prison, who were in detention, who were beaten because of the name of Jesus. And I praise God that is not something that is happening in this nation, at least today, because many of us, well, did any of you had to worry about coming to church today? Did you think, I think that person's following me. I think they're going to go and report me to the authorities. Um, did, did you have to worry about what your neighbor thinks you're going to on a Sunday morning? Where, where is he going? Uh, is my neighbor looking? None of you had to worry. But I can tell you that I think the first few years I was in here, I, I was looking around, uh, I was a bit paranoid thinking, is somebody following me? And there are people who would probably still do that. But we can see that our position in those very nations that are persecuting Christians is leading to the growth in the church. And that's why I said it's a good thing. The topic for today is good because it's about persecution, not necessarily a good thing, but the result of it is the kingdom of God growing. So the kingdom has grown. Let's look at the uh, next bit very quickly and then we're going to pray. It's here that Luke shows us that the authorities are powerless when it comes to God. When you compare the government with the highest government, they're really powerless. The leaders have set a negative example here. It reminds us not to look at things the way that we always look at, but allow God to come and break things. Not to look at people thinking, this person has done this many times, he or she is not going to change. Not to look at situations and think, well, this door has been closed for many times. We've seen many prisoners in here. None of them have been able to get out. Allow God to come and do things. Allow God to come and change things. And praise God, supernatural has happened. There's a bit of silence in here. <laughs> If, you've got, if you're really not sure where you stand with these things, if you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, and, but, but you think, well, yeah, there is something in there, but I'm not quite sure I can understand it. It's not logical. Then I want to encourage you to sign up to Life Plus, as what I was talking about. I, I don't call it a course, because it reminds me of the very dark days at university. So um, it's not a course. It's actually full of tea-loving, cake-eating, Jesus-loving people who just get together and talk about Jesus, and maybe able to answer some of your questions, um, if you have any questions, or it's just a relaxed environment for you to go in and hear more of these and ask questions, and if you want to be prayed for as well. Obeying God. Peter here stands up and says, um, well, yeah, you told us not to do it, but you tell us, you know the word of God. Should we listen to you or listen to God? And obviously, 
the anger and the rage in the religious leaders? If you had the same experience as the apostles did, what would you do? Would you stand up and say, actually, I know you have every power. You, c- you even have the power to kill me. You can put me in prison. You can do whatever you want to, but I'm going to obey God. And you should do the same as well because you've read the word, or actually it is the word of God. Will you read it and obey God? Or will you just say, uh, yeah, I'm really sorry. I apologize for what I did. I've just realized I made a mistake. Thank you. Can I just go home now? Uh, my Yorkshire pudding is getting cold. And uh, what, what would you do? I know it's really difficult to, to be in that situation, uh, to even hypothetically think that, yeah, if I'm in that situation, I'll stick to God and I'll do this, or to say, I'm actually unsure. Again, praise God that we don't have to be in that situation, but the people in Acts in here, they're living out their own prayers. If you just go back one chapter, you realize that the apostles prayed the first time that a couple of them were, pri- uh, were put in prison, and they said, God, give us the opportunity to go and preach your gospel. They didn't say, oh, don't put us in prison, or yeah, we make sure that we have enough food to get by, and then if we have energy, we'll talk about your, uh, you. They said, God, will you give us the opportunity to go and preach your gospel? And God did that. Gave them the opportunity. The apostles realized the importance of preaching this message. And what's interesting is that they didn't tell anyone that they were freed by an angel. They didn't talk about the angel at all. I would have probably talked, yeah, the angel came and said, I used to rush, and I said, yeah, it's me, are you looking for me? Yeah, have you come to free me? Oh, cheers, mate, thank you. Just about timing, eh? What took you so long? And then the angel put me on, the, uh, on his back with wings and flew and said, yeah, you're a great guy. God sent me specifically for you. They didn't talk about the angel. They just said, yeah, this very Jesus that was killed, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, he sent him. He died as a sacrifice, but you know what? Just like every other person who died, it wasn't the same because his life wasn't the same either, and his birth wasn't the same. He rose again from the grave, and he's alive. And you want life? You need Jesus. Very simple. And you know that message is the very same message that we preach today. You want life? You need Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know him personally, if you don't feel that you're living with him every day, then I want to encourage you not to miss this opportunity because he wants to come and live with you. He wants to walk with you. It's the very same Jesus who defeated death and as we were singing, he conquered the grave. It's the very same Jesus that we were singing about who can stop the Lord Almighty. Who can stop him? As I said, this isn't just a story. This is an actual event. Who can stop him? Even when his people are in prison, he can free them. And if you want life, you need Jesus. doesn't necessarily mean a happy life. Of course, with him you will have great joy, but it means eternal life. I'm just going to finish on this point, and then I'm going to ask Holly to help me with the next bit. Um, They brought in the apostles. A wise guy stood up and said, look, if this is from God, you can't stop it. There is no way you can stop it. And if it isn't, it'll die out, so don't worry. What do they do? They beat the apostles. 39 lashes. It doesn't say it specifically in Acts, but that's how they would do it. 39 lashes. And if you've ever witnessed public lashings, um, unfortunately I have, and it's not a very, um, it's not a pleasant scene at all, but in some societies they do that, 
first of all, to publicly shame the person, but also as a way of preventing crime, to tell others, look, this is what will happen if you do the same. 39 lashes for the, uh, to the apostles. They humiliate them. They publicly shame them. What do the apostles do? They go out singing and dancing, saying, oh, we were considered worthy. The church has paid a price for us to be here. And by the church, I mean church with the capital C. A, a lot of people from many different nations have given in sacrificially. Thinking about martyrs, those who gave their own life for the message of Jesus, almost all the apostles from the first generation. Then there comes the Roman Empire persecution. Then we have Polycarp in the second century, Bishop of Smyrna, Smyrna today's day is Mir. Then in this very nation, around early 300, we have St. Alban, who many think he was the, same, the first martyr in this nation, the first person who would die for the sake of Jesus. As we come, we get to uh, reformations. We have Felix Mann, who was persecuted and killed. I actually studied his life at God's Big Picture. If you were there, you'd remember. Then we get further and further, and there are many people who've given their lives for the sake of the gospel. In the World War, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Maximilian Kolbe, that you've probably read about or heard about at Alpha as well, who, who actually died. The ethnic cleansing uh, of Christians in Iraq and Syria today. I've had the privilege of meeting many Iraqi and Syrian Christians. One of the long-standing Christian communities in the Middle East, probably the longest. And many of them have been dispersed and the world doesn't really know about them because they can't even go to refugee camps because they're persecuted by their own people who probably are from other faiths. So the world doesn't really know about them. But they've been wiped out of their own homes. The Normandy attack uh, just a couple of years ago in North France, kidnapping of Christian teenage girls in Egypt, it's not on the news. But it's real and it's happening. They're being kidnapped in Egypt and forced to marry non-Christians in order to stop Christian lineages. Imagine what their families go through and the price they're paying for, the, uh, for Christ. In this country, many of you would learn to drive when you're about 17. It was probably the second time I was experiencing imprisonment when I was 17. And not because um, of anything that would get you into trouble with the law, but because of my faith in Christ. And I can assure you there are many other people now experiencing that in, the, in many nations. Some say Christians are facing worse persecution than ever in this nation, to, uh, in many nations today. And you would probably think when we talk about persecution, it's just outside this nation. But unfortunately, it is happening even in here, but in a different way, maybe in a nonviolent way. Um, the Liberal Democrat leader, Tim Farron, regardless of uh, where we stand politically, uh, he had to resign in his own words, remaining faithful to Christ was incompatible with being party leader. So he felt that he was being questioned again and again because of his faith, and therefore he wasn't able to do the job that he wanted to do. The European Court of Human Rights have raised concerns that Christians may be subject to intolerance and discrimination across the continent, and not just in here. And now when you think about the legacy that God has put in this nation and how far he's brought the church, and now for Christians to face intolerance that tells you of where the world is going to. 
Now, I'm not one of those, like one of those news anchors that say good morning and then they give you every reason not to have a good morning. I've given you all of these examples. It's the reality. But, as I said, persecution leads to the church and the kingdom of God growing. Now, we've heard all of this. What are we going to do with it? We've heard how the apostles did. We've heard how our brothers and sisters are suffering in many nations. What are we going to do? I think I would personally like to have been able to just go home to our Sunday dinners, eat, and then maybe lay on Costa del Sofa, thinking about our brothers and sisters, and while having a bit of a snooze uh, and maybe a bit of a siesta. But I know that as Christians, it is difficult for many of us to do that. Uh, because we know, well, we love the eating part, but also we love to pray for our brothers, brothers and sisters in many other nations, including this nation. Following Christ will bring problems, the proof is in the pudding, but also following Christ will mean that you have a family that you probably haven't even met uh, from different nations in this world who are praying for you and lifting you up. So, as you can see around the room, we've got maps, um, just there, uh, two maps and a booklet. It's got the map of the 50 most persecuted, uh, uh, well, 50 countries that persecute Christians the most at the moment, and it's an annual thing that comes out every year. I want to encourage you, in fact, all of us, to go around it, whether in groups or whether you just like to go and have a look and pick a particular country or nation and pray for it, to pray for the nations that we choose, that God has put in our heart, that perhaps we have friends there, or maybe you're even from that nation, and then in groups to pray for this nation, to praise God for the polit political freedom that we have, but also for the advance of the kingdom of God. Because political freedom is great, but we've got to use it for the advance of the kingdom of God. Without the advance of the kingdom of God, it's just simply democracy, which is still good, but it can be greater. Is that okay for us? I'm not going to invite the band to come up because we're just going to quickly do this, pray, and then we're going to have tea and coffee together. Shall we stand up together? Shall we gather around the maps that we have um, on both sides of the room? And we have a couple in here as well and one in the front. For our younger guys in here, there's one with flags and more colors. <laughs> so let's gather together around the maps. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters in one of these nations. If you'd like to pray for every single nation, then great. Let's spend a couple of minutes doing that, and then we'll be praying for this nation and the advance of the kingdom of God in here.